This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Cactus League Report. Going, going, goodbye baseball. On 710 ESPN Seattle. 710sports.com and the 710 Seattle app. Strike three calls and firing the hook from James Paxton tonight. Now, the Cactus League Report. Welcome inside the Peoria Sports Complex for the Cactus League Report in advance of the Mariners and the Brew Crew. Milwaukee coming to town here tonight. Aaron Goldsmith, Gary Hill, Shannon Dreyer. Got a jam-packed show for you guys. We will hear from one guy having about as hot of a spring as anybody in the country. Daniel Vogelback will join us at the end of the show. And somebody else that you have not probably heard much of, but somebody whose fingerprints are all over the Mariners, Joe Boringer. He is a special assistant to general manager Jerry DePoto. Joe will join us in the back half of the show as well, a fine conversation between Shannon and Kyle Seeger. We will hear and also joining us in just a few moments will be Mel Stottlemyre Jr. Good conversation with Mel and Rick Riz. But in the meantime, Aaron, Gary, Shannon. Shannon, really interesting. You look at how the starting pitching is slated for the Mariners right now, and we'll see if this ends up meaning something or not. But as we speak right now, Felix Hernandez is in line to pitch opening day. This is the first year. And uh, what, you want to ballpark it at about a decade that it was unknown for sure as to whether or not Felix would pitch opening day for the Mariners. Yeah, and it's been really kind of interesting to watch this evolve. And when it's all said and done, it looks like it is going to be Felix. He's getting the start on Saturday. James Paxson will start on Sunday. So that lines up Felix for game one, James Paxson for game two. And Scott Service has basically said, you know, the ball's in Felix's court. He's had an excellent spring. He's made the changes they've asked him to make. And now the only thing that he has remaining to do, and Scott said, we want to give him every opportunity to have that start. The only thing he has remaining to do is get to about 60 pitches, maybe 65 on Saturday, so he can pitch at least 75 on opening day. So if Felix gets through Saturday relatively unscathed, gets his pitches in, he will be the opening day starter. If he falters, then they'll probably have a shorter outing with James the next day and then bring him back opening day on one day short rest so felix don't have a long inning is what you're saying well and that's you know what that's going to be the theme all year long and that's you know and felix goes out there and gets them to put the ball in play early he stays in games a lot longer that's what they want when felix goes out there and you know gets a little bit maybe gets into trouble and starts relying on the strikeout that's when hitters start fouling off pitches that's what they don't want to see if he gets into a pitcher's count go for the strikeout but first and foremost try and get that early contact but so far, so good for Felix and his recovery back from uh, getting smoked on that line drive. It looks like he will be in line for things on opening day. James Paxton said he felt very good, and he certainly looked good in his last time out on a backfield. Yeah, and you know what? I think you know he's, he'll have no problem getting to 100 pitches. Sure. And that first one really interesting. Well, I guess I'll wait and see what happens with Felix, but I would imagine they would have pulled back on him a little bit anyway on Sunday, the last outing in the spring. That's usually kind of a touch and feel and make sure everything feels good to go you're comfortable on the mound comfortable with everything and then they usually get them out a little quicker on that last one hey somebody who's got pretty good insight on the king felix hernandez james paxton and the rest of the pitching crew let's hand things over to rick riz his conversation from earlier today with pitching coach mel stottlemyre jr let's start 
near the top of the uh, rotation with uh, Felix Hernandez and James Paxton. Felix Hernandez a couple of days ago in a minor league game, three innings against the uh, San Diego minor league team, gave up a run, one walk, and three strikeouts and threw 38 pitches. What does he have to show you and Scott here to get ready for a possible, a possible start eight days now, opening day at home against Cleveland? Well, you know, backing up with, with the injury and the ball off the forearm, obviously the concern and, and how fast, how quick we can push this guy to get through his progressions. The thing that we know is, you know, he didn't get the volume. He didn't get all the regular work that the other pitchers got. But in his stint, went three innings, 38 pitches, you know, gotten great counts, got the ball on the ground early, which is something that we've tried to encourage him to do. And he was very efficient with his pitches. He was pain-free. I talked to him yesterday. So we're able to move forward and get on to his next outing where we can hopefully take him to 65, 70 pitches. And we get through that one, we can talk about his first start. Sounds good. James Paxton in a minor league game went six innings against San Diego's double-A team. So he's kind of lined up for right there as well, either one or two, depending upon what happens. How did James look in his last start? What kind of spring has Paxton had? He's had a good one. You know, he had he had the rough one early, but uh, I, I think it's consistent with what James has done in the past as far as his when he does have his struggles in spring training, trying to get all the secondary stuff, you know, put together and, and to get past the delivery issues that a lot of power pitchers go through in spring training. Yeah. And so he's had this nice, steady upward climb in terms of, like, where he needs to be and what it needs to look like with his opening start. Six innings, 83 pitches in a minor league game, you know, just to keep him on his normal schedule, threw the ball really, really good. You know, we're starting to see glimpses and signs of his breaking ball start to come around in the cutter, which is uh, can be a devastating pitch for him in the season. So he's right where he needs to be. Talking about right where he needs to be going tonight, Against Milwaukee for your ball club is Mike Leak. I think he's had a real good spring. He had the rough outings last time out. There's the dog days of spring training like there is the dog days in August. But overall, I like what this guy brings to your starting rotation. What do you like about Mike Leak, and what kind of spring has it been for Mike? Well, first and foremost, this guy's a real pro. And, uh, you know, he, he had to kind of reiterate to not get too excited or to get too concerned about his last outing. And that it is a part of, you know, all, everybody's spring training. They all go through it at some point. They hit that little dead arm syndrome. And uh, it was important for him to get his ups and downs. And, and so we're, uh, we know what we're going to get out of Mike Leak when it comes time for the season. This guy's a great pitch maker. He's a great leader for our pitching staff. You know, he does things the right way. He's kind of like the, the Mike or the Greg Maddox of, yeah. of today's pitcher. So yeah. uh, we, we love Mike. He'll be ready. He hasn't walked anybody the entire spring. You know, he doesn't want to. How do you do that? You know, it's it's how he does it. it. It's all about his approach. He wants to get in and out of bats with three pitches, and he talks about it. He's not afraid to get up in our room and our chalk talks to talk about his approach and what it means to him. He knows he's not a power guy. He's, no, he's not going to wipe guys out with his stuff, and he knows he needs contact on the ground. He needs it early in order for him to be successful and get deep in games. You have put a lot of faith into Marco Gonzalez, second year back from the Tommy John surgery. Great spring for this kid. What have you seen out of Marco Gonzalez? Really good. Well, I'm, I'm starting to see some confidence, you know, in, in, in his approach on the mound during the games and even in his bullpens. You know, his bullpens are better. We've implemented a, a little more use to glove side of the plate. We've added the cutter to complement his other pitches, and uh, he's in a really good place. It's important that he stays out of the the big part of the plate, out of the middle thigh area. 
his last outing. He was down early, which is going to help him pitch up late. He was really good working front to back with his stuff, keeping a constant mix, and he was really good in and out. So, uh, you know, it's another guy that needs needs con- soft contact, needs to get in good counts, and he'll get his share of strikeouts when that, that time calls for it. But uh, coming off a great outing, we're, we're excited for Marco. Okay, if everything goes right, you got Felix and Paxton and Leak and Marco Gonzalez, and when will you need that fifth starter? Well, we're still trying to get Ramirez back. And, you know, we can't forget about that guy and what he did for us. So, uh, you know, with, we have the luxury of having the off days and not needing five guys. So uh, not, not to pin me down, but somewhere, <laughs> you know, ninth, tenth, uh, we're looking for that fifth guy. And now we let's get to Raspo Ramirez. You know, unfortunately, the strained Latin. He's missed so much time here at spring training. What's his schedule right now? When do you think he can possibly work his way back with the ball club? Well, he's going to get up uh, and start his progression, get up on the mound on the 24th of this month. And, you know, for me, you have to be careful with the lat. But he has progressed so well in his throwing program and responded very well to all the treatment. They got him in a good position for us to go ahead and get him up on a bullpen and rapidly and safely try to get him to where we can get him out to games and you know, it's not it, it, it's not like starting over, you know, like you do in the off season, throwing the ball for the first time. You know, he's he did all his work, and so we're going to be able to push a little bit, but we we, we got to be smart also. So, you know, if I had to go out on a limb, probably going to miss a couple weeks of, of the season, and we should see him back. See him back, and then as far as depth in in that rotation for you, I mean, you went through 17 starters last year. That was unbelievable what you did and the pitchers that you worked with in uh, 2017. Ariel Miranda, this this left-hander is so valuable to your ball club. Tell me a little bit about Ariel Spring. Ariel's having a very, very quiet, solid spring training. And, uh, you know, I was making a comment today, there's a lot of things that goes unnoticed, but not by the pitching staff, not by the coaches. Uh, just, you know, the development of the slider, the, the command of the fastball that is is – you know, become more consistent. So we know what he's meant to us and done over the last couple of years. He's had some nice first halves, and, you know, you look at what he did last year for us. He kept us in some things because of what he was doing and pitched some big, big games for us. So he's having a nice spring. He, he has gotten better. It's, uh, you know, if, if we have to count on him again, it's, it's not a bad thing. All right, let's talk about your bullpen. Eddie Diaz, uh, this kid has come – a long way in a short period of time, 34 saves last year and 37 opportunities. He's had a great spring. Tell me why. You know, I, I, as I watch Eddie and uh, spend more time with him, you just you watch the maturity and how he carries himself and, and the understanding of what that role means and, and, and how to handle that role. Uh, Juan Nicasio has oh. been so instrumental in this kid and, and just, you know, talking to him about being in the fire and, and not letting the game speed up. So, you know, Eddie, as good as Eddie's stuff is, and as, as wonderful as things as he's done in the game to this point in a very young career, he's still learning, and he's going to make mistakes. But he really hasn't had that guy, you know, at the back end to be able to take him through that role and teach him, you know, the ups and downs of being that closer. And so I'm looking forward to this year, to Eddie being in that spot and having Juan Nicasio help him. 
Juan Nicasio, the newest member during the course of the offseason, uh, already a great mentor for Edwin Diaz. Uh, tell me a little bit about Nicasio and what he brings to the ball club once he gets to the mound. Well, he's, he's tenacious out there. He's all business when he's out there. And, uh, he, you know, as good as the stuff is, he's a pitch maker. He has ability to read bats. We know what he did over in that league last year with all those appearances. And he has informed Scott and I that he wants to do same same thing in the American League. Wants the ball. He wants to be in the fire. And uh, we want him there as well. Danny Altavella having a tremendous spring. Uh, Mel, it seems like he's getting everybody out with a lot of strikeouts. So what have you seen out of Alta Villa this spring? One of our biggest bright spots, and we've had a bunch of them in the spring, but Danny has really kind of taken to, you know, a lot of the different things that, that are involved in pitching and some of the programs, the analytics, the video. We've kind of tightened his delivery up. His fastball command is, is impeccable. And he's not a guy that's going to dot the ball from corner to corner, but he's he's able to use his fastball and get in good counts with it. Everybody knows about the wipeout slider. One of the things last year, moving forward the last month, we talked to him about pitching a little more off the slider. And uh, it, it's it's a real weapon. It's a pitch he can get ahead, in and out of at-bats, and he can put guys away. But the fastball has been the difference, his command. You can see the confidence in each one of his outings that he goes out. And he's had the ability to slow the game down, which last year he struggled with. So some big things are going to happen for Danny Altavilla this year. Well, just a minute to go, but I think you're going to have one of the strongest bullpens in the American League this year. Pazos and Vincent is back and healthy. Zepchinski, Phelps, uh, Casey Lawrence has had a great spring. Uh, how good is your bullpen as a group this year? You know, it's versatility, it's options, it's stuff. They're all different, but it gives our manager a lot of different options. You know, when when one of our back-end guys aren't able to go that night, we got somebody like Danny or Vincent or, you know, lots of, lots of options, guys that step up and, and pitch in those uh, impact roles, those games that we're winning. Can't wait to, uh, for a week from now, buddy. Man, I'm, ex- I'm excited, you know. I'm <laughs> just trying to get through this spring and keep guys healthy and, yeah. and get all the guys on the field and see where this thing falls for us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Mel, as always, thanks a lot for the visit. Always a pleasure, Mr. Riz. Mar- Mr. Riz, I like that. Mariners pitching coach, Mel Stottlemyre, Jr., here on the Cactus League Report. Uh, great conversation there, thanks to Mel. Well, sign your youngsters up for one unforgettable opportunity. We're looking for one child, 14 and under, to announce the starting lineup before the game on April the 1st. To enter, just post a video to Twitter or Instagram using the hashtag KidsOpener of your child's best performance reading a Mariner's starting lineup. Deadline to enter is Friday. That's hashtag KidsOpener. Lots more to get to here on the Cactus League Report when we come back. Your chance to hear from Mariners third baseman Kyle Seeger after this quick break. Now back to the Cactus League Report, live from Mariners Spring Training in Arizona. Welcome back to the Cactus League Report. Shannon Dreyer here catching up with Kyle Seeger. And, Kyle, it, it's hard to look. We look at spring training, and there's just a few games left to go, just over a week until spring training. It has gone by fast, it seems, for me. I trust you've gotten every, in everything that you need to. Um, yeah. You know, at this, uh, this point, I think I feel pretty good. Um, you know, I'm actually, you know, I feel a little better going into this year than I have in years past, you know, with uh, the swing, defense, arm, body, all that good stuff. So, you know, I, I actually, I feel pretty good, and, you know, I think I'm about ready to head up to Seattle. Feeling good about everything. How much of that is from your off-season work, and how much is that from what you do when you get up here? Uh, a little bit of both. So, you know, off-seasons, you know, we, we definitely, you know, like to work hard and get after it pretty good. But, you know, it's uh, it's it's completely different when you're out here. You know, you can... 
hit in a cage and, you know, do all that stuff all you want. But once you get on the field and once you see seeing, you know, you can see the way the ball comes off the bat a lot more outside. And, you know, me and my brothers really don't really get to hit outside too, too much. And then uh, when, um, you know, you're out here throwing, I think throwing is a big part of it too where, you know, we can play catch and, you know, do a little bit of long toss, but you can't really simulate as much as, you know, you get out here and you just kind of getting your body underneath you a little bit more. Got Ryan Haley over at first base. You haven't had a ton of an opportunity to see him over there, but what is he going to bring there? No, I've only, uh, I think I played with him the one game, and he already helped me, actually. I kind of, uh, I threw a ball a little high, and, you know, he caught it like it was nothing, basically. And it was kind of a, you know, it was a pleasant surprise. You kind of forget how big he is. So, I don't really forget it, but, I mean, you, uh, he's bigger than you think. So, it's it's definitely a good thing. So, it's, uh, but it's been good. It's been nice. His locker's next to me. So, you know, getting to know him a little bit this uh this spring, you know, I think he's going to be a, definitely a good addition. He's got a personality. He also seems like he's had about six cups of coffee any time that you've talked to him. What's it like to have a locker next to him? Yeah, you know, you want to get on him early maybe, so before the coffee, so I don't know. <laughs> you no, know, he's been good. He's been good. It's been good getting to know everybody. That's what's, um, you know, that's been one of Skip's things, you know, since he took over. He likes to, you know, get everybody involved to learn or learn about everybody a lot earlier, and, and I think that makes a lot of sense, and, you know, especially when you have a lot of new guys, you know, it definitely uh, – helps to, to get to know everybody. Yeah, three years ago that was huge because everybody was new. New new staff, new manager, a lot of new players. Last year a lot of new players as well. Are you as players kind of taking a little more ownership of that? I know Nelson did what he did over the off season and, and bringing people down to work out a little bit, but kind of behind the scenes, are you guys able, I, I think culture is a good word for that, are, are you able to take over that a little bit? Um, you know, I think, I think it kind of comes with the territory a little bit. You know, I think we've definitely... Uh, it started with Skip. You know, Skip put this big emphasis on it three years ago, and and there's still, you know, it's not as much turnover, but there still is turnover. You know, even you know guys that you traded for at the end of the year, you know, you're still in your first camp with them. So I mean, you play with them for you know a month, month and a half, but you know, still relatively new to them. And then um, you know, there's new coaches as well. So I mean, anytime you're you're adding you know new faces there, it's still you know there's still new faces, so it's it's definitely a part of it. But you know, once you once you uh, kind of break down those walls and get to know everybody, it makes this a lot, a lot better. I think you were threatening to do the service interview last year. Did that ever happen? It did happen, yes. <laughs> and what kind of? How would you characterize yourself as an interviewer in that situation? Um, I don't know if it was as much an interview as uh, trying to roast them, maybe, but it, <laughs> it worked out all right. It worked out fine. Did you get them good? I thought I got them pretty good. I thought I got my point across. <laughs> So did you have any second thoughts about, okay, this is the manager, I, I, I'm doing this? You know what? It, it kind of, uh, yeah, so <laughs> they asked a few of us to do it, and I think I, I told a couple of the other guys that I was doing it with that, you know, when we get to this point, why don't you let me do the one, be the talking on this one, and, you know, you, you be a little gentler on the other end there, but... It uh, it comes to the territory. He asked us to do it, so I mean, he 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 doesn't hold back a lot of those times in those meetings with us. So I thought it was a thought it was a opportune time to take a shot at him. So the interview was in good hands, which is good to know. Hey, uh, the Papa shot back there. Have you taken a shot at that yet? I haven't. I, there's always a there's always a line there, so I've uh, I haven't got on there yet. I I took one shot in passing, but I haven't actually played the game yet. Have you got any idea who's kind of the expert of that or who would be the clubhouse leader of that? I mean, as much as I hear Moder talk about it, I feel like it has to be him. I don't know any other scenario where it couldn't be him. He seems like he's on it about five times more than anybody else. How are you doing with your bracket in the tournament? I, You know what? I uh, I turned it in late, so I was. I don't know if I got disqualified, but I probably should have. I uh, 
I, uh, yeah, I lost track of when everything started. I knew when Carolina was playing, but other than that, I really didn't didn't really know. So right now, I don't even care. Yeah, <laughs> so much for basketball. Yeah. Hey, we'll take it back to baseball. Yeah, it was great to see early on in the spring that uh, looked like you were really kind of making a concerted effort to use all parts of the field. And obviously, you're, you're going to want to do that as, as much as you can. But what was different with that? We saw kind of an in and out with that, and it seems like you're kind of you're having a little more success with it in the last few days. Yeah, I um, it, it's definitely something that I continue to work on. You know, trying to figure out how to be able to hit the ball to all fields. You know, as consistently as a lot of guys do. And you know, I think I've uh, you know, with talking to you know the coaches up here, you know, with Edgar and Makuchi on the minor league side, he's really good at it as well. You know, talking talking to those guys and um, you know just getting in the right positions to be whenever you do catch the ball a little deeper you hit it that way and you're hitting it with authority as opposed to just kind of flicking it over there so it's never been a it's never been a real strength of mine so it's kind of something I'm always working on when you look at it obviously the shift comes into play with that and we did I think see some team I know it was early in spring but you saw some people step away from that 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 the end goal there um yeah you know I, I think I Ultimately, I would rather it didn't really matter if they're shifting. I want to be able to hit the ball on the line that way. So, you know, ground balls on the left side where, you know, if they're shifting and you get hits are great. But, you know, ultimately I'd rather, you know, hit it with a little bit more authority, hit a little with more, you know, mass behind it. So I think that's uh, that's the ultimate goal where I could, you know, kind of more drive a, a gap as opposed to just kind of hitting a ground ball to, to beat it type deal. So, I mean, I don't think I'll ever be a guy that hits a lot of home runs that way, but, you know, I'd like to be a guy that can, you know, hit doubles and, and that type of stuff. What makes you feel better about that right now? Um, I, I've gotten into a stronger position. I got into a more athletic position, and um, you know, I think with uh, a couple of the swing changes we made this winter, and then the stuff we're doing this year, it, it's it's a more natural move. I don't have to kind of manipulate anything. And when you have you know 600 at bats, it's kind of hard to you know manipulate your barrel when you're you know you get tired and you get fatigued, and you know some days you feel good, some days you don't. So you kind of want it to be more of a natural move. It's been good to see so far. And, Kyle, is there going to be a second interview of anybody this year? Uh, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I'm, I'm allowed to anymore. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, haven't, I didn't get invited back. Let's put it that way. Well, you know, this recorder is always open. If you ever want to get somebody, you know, just go ahead, look over. You can have this recorder, and, and we'll take the interview. Just see where it goes? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we might have to do that. Kyle, thank you. No problem. Thank you. A good conversation, as always, Shannon and Kyle Seeger. Well, with the Mariners Flex Plan, you choose the location and games you want to see, all while receiving significant savings over single-game prices. Whether purchasing a 20-game or 40-game plan, you'll become a Mariners season ticket holder and gain access to great benefits. You can pick out your plan by going to mariners.com slash flex. Mariners and the Brewers here tonight under the lights from inside the Peoria Sports Complex. In the meantime, the Cactus League Report rolls along. When we come back, you'll hear from special assistant to general manager Jerry DePoto. Joe Boringer, this is a fantastic conversation. It comes up after this timeout. This is the Cactus League Report. Going, going, goodbye baseball. On 710 ESPN Seattle. 710sports.com and the 710 Seattle app. Right, great ball and firing the hook from James Paxton tonight. Now, the Cactus League Report. Cactus League Report rolls along here from inside the Peoria Sports Complex. The Mariners and the Brewers in 40 minutes from now. Home game for the Mariners tonight. Well, we all know very well Jerry DePoto by now, but somebody you might not know works right off his hip and is one of his three special assistants. And tonight, your chance to learn a little bit more about Joe Boringer. 
Joe, this is going to be a really fun conversation because you are a big part of the Mariners. And, Joe, nobody knows who you are outside of the Mariners' front office. You are one of three special assistants to the general manager, Jerry Depoto. First of all, can you tell us what does your job title all entail? Uh, job title is probably the most nebulous job title in <laughs> all of baseball. Um, cl all clubs have special assistants to the GM. Uh, usually it's, uh, it's a job that your the skill sets vary. Uh, and usually the general managers pick them, pick their special assistants, uh, people that complement their skill set. So when each general manager has a different skill set, then in turn each special assistant has a, a different skill set. Uh, I'm a special assistant. Roger Hansen's a special assistant. Tom McNamara is a special assistant to Jerry. We all have different skill sets. We all do different things. Uh, my particular uh, background, I, I worked in player development. I've worked in the front office. I've been fortunate enough to run a department. I have an extensive scouting background. Uh, I just kind of help out wherever needed. Uh, I guess the best I can describe it, and I've, I've done it with some of the, my teammates here, it's, it's wherever Jerry tells me to go, wherever a teammate asks me to be. And that could be something in player development, something in scouting, something with the, high, the new high-performance model that we're doing, if Dr. Dr. Martin asked me to help out with something. So really it's, it's wherever I can assist at any given point in time, um, depending on what we have going on and what part of the calendar we're in. In terms of things that aren't classified, can you tell us some examples of some things that any of those people might ask you to work on or do on any given month during the season or the offseason? Uh, well, I, I, what I can tell you is just broadly, and this is kind of how it was laid out to me this year, we're clearly doing uh, the new high-performance model. Uh, I've been asked to kind of help Dr. Martin in understanding what the landscape looks like for the existing, uh, how the baseball landscape traditionally has looked like. We're trying to do something a little different, so it's trying to make all the pieces fit. Uh, I've done a lot uh, over the past couple of years with kind of our scout education, really rolling out Jerry's system, the role system that we use to evaluate players. I had some familiarity with it coming in, so I became the voice to kind of help our scouts get up to speed. And, and what we're doing now, uh, and, and another area, really with our coaches and our minor league coaches, we have some things available to us from a technology standpoint, track man, uh, exit velocities, launch angles, all the catchphrases that you hear nowadays, that's something that we've been able to incorporate in scouting. We've already kind of had our Moneyball moment when Moneyball came out. Uh, on the player development side, this is uh, really their Moneyball moment where they're getting a lot of this information for the first time, and I'm really trying to take advantage of all the times I scraped my knee on the scouting side uh, <laughs> and hoping that we don't scrape our knee on the player development side and really trying to help speed up the learning curve for how we can use the information that's available to us and the data available to us in this day and age to make better assessments and evaluations and, and hopefully development decisions on players. Joe Boringer is our guest. He's a special assistant to Jerry Depoto. Let's talk first about Dr. Lorena Martin and this high-performance model that the Mariners are implementing, which is really almost completely unprecedented in Major League Baseball. Dr. Martin was at a, an event the other night, and she was explaining to the fans kind of the nuts and the bolts of high performance. And I, I got to say, it's not an easy thing to try <laughs> to explain, especially in 140 characters or less. Can you kind of give us your viewpoint on it, what exactly it is encompassing, and why it's such a big deal for the Mariners this season? Uh, I would say that, that uh, it's really a holistic approach to use the vast amounts of information and data that are available to us um, to help make the player the best version of himself. Um, we want to make sure that medically we are on top of where our players are. Uh, there are ways to measure workload now. 
and the stresses put on the body that weren't available to us before. There are ways to measure, whether it be flexibility or uh, health measurements, hydration, nutrition. There's so much more information available to us now that can tell us the overall uh, performance, I guess, level, the, the baseline that the player's walking into the, the ballpark with from a health standpoint, from a sleep standpoint, from a nutrition standpoint, from a fatigue standpoint. And just trying to make sure that we maximize as best we can what is walking out onto the field for us in any given day. How difficult is it to communicate that to a 40-man roster plus minor league guys to try to get this culture set up with this one way of looking at how players train and keep keep themselves in shape? Because obviously everybody's got a guy right during the offseason. Everybody has their way of doing things, and now to try to bring it all underneath one roof. Uh, really, it's just about education and communication. Uh, it, it's, that's very simple and now easier said than done, obviously, sometimes. But... At the end of the day, uh, the, it is the player's career. Uh, the player takes ownership of his career. We want the player, the players are involved in the process. We communicate with the players. They understand the measurements are being taken. They know uh, what we are doing and why. We've spent a lot of time uh, and, in, in fact, are going to have meetings next week where we're all down here in Peoria. Um, we've seen a lot of organic growth in what we're doing in that standpoint, and we're having kind of a series of wrap-up meetings just to make sure that when our minor league affiliates go to each of their respective cities, that they are each independent units that know how to continue the momentum that we've built down here. So at the end of it, it is, again, education and communication. The players are involved. They know what's going on. It's not something where um, we are printing something on a piece of paper, sliding it across to a player, and trying to dictate what they do. It's, it's, it's constant assessment on a daily basis and talking with them, letting them know what we are measuring and why and how we think it can positively impact their careers. So um, it, uh, we're going to have obvious growing pains with it being a first-year program, which I think is the case in anything that you do. But uh, we've done – I think we've, we've made a concerted effort to make sure that everyone, staff, players, uh, managers, coaches, everyone's educated in what we are trying to do and why. You have such an extensive scouting background, and you've been in this game for almost three full decades, especially on the major league side or on the amateur side as well. How has scouting changed? Even in the last 10 years, we know that video has taken over so much. How has it changed the way that scouts go about doing their job? Uh, I, I really think what it's done is, and I, I don't think this is just scouting. I think this is everything. I think it's player development. I think it's roster building at the major league level. Everything that we do has changed from the traditional kind of anecdotal gut feel decision-making process to much more of an information and data-driven decision-making process. And that, you know, that data might be video. You know, one of the things I learned, and this is from an old-time scout, you know, the hand is quicker than the eye, but a 1,000 frames a second doesn't lie. You know, so you can, you can break down deliveries and arm actions for a pitcher or break down a swing path for a player uh, much more than you than you could in the past. Likewise, a lot of the things that you're hearing, uh, the major league ballparks are all wired up, and you see track man, and you see exit velocities, and you see launch angles. A lot of the major college ballparks are wired up the same way. So now we are able to get very similar information on college players uh, at the major universities that we weren't able to get previously. So it still matters what the body looks like or how a pitcher's delivery works or how a swing path works for a player, kind of the, the, the kind of instinctual what you see as a scout. You just have much more information now to help with your conviction level of how far along you think a player is or maybe how far a player is from what you think he might be one day. 
and in your current job, what's the day-to-day -day like? We know that you can be sent on assignment, it seems like, almost at any time by a variety of people. Uh, well, it, it depends on what part of the calendar we're in. Um, it, it could be gearing up for the draft. Now, clearly, we're doing all the spring training things, trying to set the opening day roster, helping out with that. We're starting to build our database for the draft. I'll assist with the draft process. That could move into seeing our system or helping out in July, going for trade targets. That's something I've traditionally done. Uh, when you get in the off season, we will do things like who are the right minor league free agents to sign. Uh, I have some experience and some history and relationships with agents, so occasionally I might be the person that makes the call on behalf of the club, just taking advantage of the relationship that you have. So um, my my day to day is really dictated by where we are on the calendar, and it can flow from spring training through the draft, through the trade deadline, through the end of the season, through whatever meetings we might have, and then really a lot of again getting back earlier, a lot of the the education aspect of it, whether it be helping out coaches or helping out scouts and lending a hand where I can there, that kind of happens 12 months a year, depending on, again, where we are in the cycle and what the kind of the topic of the day is. We're speaking with Joe Boringer. He's a special assistant to the general manager, Jerry DePoto. Uh, Joe, I don't know, when, when you started in baseball almost 30 years ago, the, you might have been the only MIT grad in the game, and now, I don't know, there might be more, more company at that table. What's it like going to that institution and now finding yourself working in professional baseball? Uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting. I am very fortunate just from the timeline. I was able to – I came from clearly uh, coming from MIT with a, kind of a technology background, at least being versed in some of those areas, and kind of watching the game evolve in that area. I've seen a lot of the new things come along from a scouting standpoint, player development standpoint. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because I started out at MIT, and I don't I don't want to over glorify the experience there. I, I started out a mechanical engineer. They asked me to look at something from you know look at the widget from 80 different angles. I got to about angle three and went, ooh, this isn't for me. I'll see you at the business school. And uh, and I guess the irony is now um, doing what I do now. I do look at all 80 angles of for whether it be a player, whether it be a roster, whether it be an organization. Um, just really trying to to uh, put together the best organization we can. And I do think that at least that background at the time, and I didn't know it at the time, like the amount of data, information, and technology available to us now, I do think that that was, at least for me, a, a good introduction, at least coming into the industry. And it's something that really has evolved, and I've, I've been fortunate enough to actually watch it evolve along the way. How early during your business studies at MIT did you know that you wanted to have a career path in Major League Baseball? Uh, my sophomore year, actually. Uh, I knew I wanted to get into sports. I didn't know exactly how, and and uh, I knew I wanted to get into baseball. I Actually, I thought at the time either baseball or football. That was kind of my background when I was in high school. I played both. I, I always was kind of the X's and O's, was always into the kind of the coaching aspect of it. And uh, it just turned out I was able to get a summer internship with the Yankees in 1990, which was an awful year for the Yankees. I got the first pick in the draft, picked Brian Taylor that year. Um, you know, it was Deion Sanders and Mel Hall and Tim Leary. So for some of the older listeners, they might actually recognize some of those, sure. some of those names. But uh, you know, it was it was great to have a summer at Yankee Stadium. And it's easy, very easy to say, hey, you know, uh, you're going to work every day at Yankee Stadium and their games going on. I kind of caught the bug a little bit. Uh, went from there to a minor league team in Buffalo, New York. I uh, did an internship. Left school and did an internship for credit. and was there from January to September. So I went to Buffalo, New York with, you know, four feet of snow on the ground, living at the dorm at University of Buffalo. And, and when I got through January, February, and March before the season started and actually still liked going in every day, I knew it was something that I wanted to try and pursue. And just am very fortunate all these years later that the, the first job that I wanted to have is, is the job that I'm still doing. And I still like what I do when I get up in the morning.
Are you the only college rugby player in a major league front office at an executive role right now, Joe? Uh, probably not the only one. Really? Uh, I, but but I, I probably was the, the the dumbest one. Now that I think <laughs> about it, because at the at the end of it, uh, I, I played rugby at MIT, and and you know it's it's a club sport. There's no age restrictions. Okay. There's no eligibility really? restrictions. So you know there would be the 27 year old grad students from South Africa that would like pop their teeth out of their mouth, throw them in their bag, and tape their ears to their head. And you know I was five foot seven and 145 pounds and and for those that might have played rugby i played wing all the way on the outside so you see the ball get passed down the line and really the wing on the you're the last guy to get the ball and you run basically until you get crushed and then you try your best to crawl out and not get stepped on when they all form up over the top of you so i look back on it and i have all my teeth and my, my arms and legs work but uh I probably uh probably doesn't make mit sound all that impressive when you realize i did something that maybe wasn't that smart Joe, this has been a wonderful conversation. It's great to get to know you a little bit better, and thank you so much for the time. All right, thank you. Really appreciate it. Uh, good to meet and talk with Joe Boringer a little bit more. A really fascinating job description, as you can tell, and kind enough to join us earlier today from over inside the Mariners' spring training complex. When we come back, plenty more here on the Cactus League Report as we talk to one of the hottest guys in the Cactus League, Daniel Vogelback, swinging a red-hot bat. He comes up after this timeout. Now back to the Cactus League Report, live from Mariner's Spring Training in Arizona. Now the sun's setting here in Peoria, the Mariners and the Brewers from inside the Peoria Sports Complex as the Cactus League Report rolls along. Right now, a visit with Daniel Vogelback, who has just simply been outstanding so far this spring for the Mariners. He has been one of the hottest hitters in all of spring training, and he had a chance to catch up with us and talk about his fantastic spring. Dan, it has been a lot of fun watching you play so far this spring training. You look so relaxed. How are you feeling out there? Um, I feel really good. Um, like you said, I, I do feel relaxed. I um, feel like I'm just playing the game that I've always played, you know, my whole career uh, growing up and not putting any more pressure on myself. And I'm just, um, you know, I have a smile on my face playing, enjoying it with a great group of guys. And, you know, I feel like when I am having a good time and smiling, that's when I play my best. So it's easy for a guy like Robinson Cano or Nelson Cruz to be relaxed this time of year, right? Like Nelson Cruz goes a week and a half without a hit, and it's okay because he's Nelson Cruz. When you're a younger guy and you're still looking to establish yourself as a major league player, how do you stay relaxed this time of year when you know that the results that you make on the field are actually really, really important? Um, I think, to be honest, it's learning from mistakes. And last year, you know, I've said it multiple times, I put a lot of pressure on myself um, trying to make the club and, you know, trying to do things you know, more than I'm capable of doing or, you know, putting more pressure on myself. And I think that it's just um, continuing to realize that, you know, I can't control a lot of things, but the things I can't control is, you know, how I come to the park every day with a smile on my face, how I work, and, you know, the results will come from doing those things. So I think it's not, you know, I know it's easy to say, but not getting caught up in result results and, um you know, just continuing to have fun and realize that, you know, if you do have fun and you do work hard, the results, you know, most of the time are going to be there at the end of the day. Any changes for you during the course of this offseason to tweak in the stance, the bat, anything, anything different for you going into this season? Um, yeah, I did. I, uh, I changed some things in my swing. You know, I thought that it was time to, you know, I had some talks with some people and it was time for me to, uh, you know, really start to drive the ball. And, you know, my whole career I've been a guy that, you know, has been on, tried to get on base and, you know, look for walks and work pitch counts. And, you know, that's great and all. But, you know, for me and my type of uh, the game that I bring, I need to drive the ball and I need to hit the ball, you know, in the gaps and hit home runs and uh, drive people in. And that's what I'm capable of bringing to the table to help a team win. And that's what I need to do. 
So without getting too nitty-gritty into details, how, how do you go from being the guy that you were to the guy that you now want to be? Um, I think it's just you know, being aggressive, um, trying to drive the ball, and, you know, singles will come. And, <clears throat> you know, I was actually talking to uh, Kyle the other day, and it seems like the more aggressive I'm being, you know, I'm not swinging at bad pitches, and I'm laying off pitches, and I'm still taking my walks. And it's just me being the aggressor instead of letting the pitcher be the aggressor. I think that's the biggest thing that I've changed. <clears throat> Since you've come to the Mariners, who's been the most influential guy or group of guys for you so far, whether it be in the minor league level, the major league level, as the yeah, Tar Heel walks by us? Um, it's funny that he's just walked by. It's definitely Kyle. Um, you know, it's the way I was raised and, um, the way I was brought up, you know, he, it's pretty cool to see, um, a superstar like him, the way he treats younger players. Um, he is willing to answer any questions. Um, he's willing to, you know, talk to me whenever I need to talk about something. And the biggest thing is he's honest. And that's something that, you know, sometimes the honest truth isn't what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. And um, he's always there to help me, and he's always, if I ask him about a pitcher, what's this guy going to do, how he's going to do it, you know, he's always takes time out of his day to make time for me, which, you know, I greatly appreciate, and um, it's pretty cool to see. Was that a relationship that was started by him when you were the new guy coming up? I mean, for the first time I walked in the clubhouse um, after being traded and got called up in September a year and a half ago, he went out of his way to come introduce himself. <clears throat> and, um, you know, when I started and made my debut, he went out of his way to, you know, tell me you know get out there early and um you know this is a special day and take it all in and from then on you know I I felt like that I could talk to him and um it made it a lot easier being in the clubhouse but you know all the guys it's pretty cool and I say it all the time that the superstars are you know Kyle and Robbie and Felix and Nelson and all those guys I mean now D like how personable they are and how good they are in the clubhouse is goes unknown for people that <clears throat> aren't in the clubhouse and it's pretty cool to you know have superstars that don't have to be that way that are that way you spent enough time at first base with Kyle Seager at third base. I, I think you can confirm a number that we were told the other day by Mark Simon of Sports Info Solutions that Kyle Seager has the most accurate infield arm in the major leagues. Do you ever find yourself having to do too much work on throws across the diamond? Um, no, that's, I did not know that that stat. But, yeah, he uh, he always seems like he throws it right on the chest. And um, he, uh, he takes pride. I know he takes a lot of pride in his infield. And, I mean, He's got the he's got a gold glove, and not many people can say that. So um, it's fun to watch him work, um, not only in the field but also um, in the batter's box. And you know, I can definitely take stuff from him every single day. Hey, Daniel, as always, man, it's great to catch up with you. Fantastic work so far here in camp, and thank you so much for the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always a good conversation with Daniel Vogelback, having a fantastic camp. Well, we have just a few minutes left here on the Cactus League Report, taking you up to the pregame show, and then the first pitch, Mariners and the Brewers. And, Rick, I know you had a um, chance to uh, catch up with some uh, notable alumni here in the ballpark tonight. Tell us about this. I'll tell you what, for the first time in a long time, the Mariners are getting together with uh, a lot of former players who make their home now here in uh, the Valley around the Phoenix area, Peoria and Scottsdale. And they're meeting right now. They're having a great uh, time uh, seeing one another for the first time in many, many years. A lot of the former players are here. Floyd Bannister, who grew up in the Seattle area, went to Kennedy High School, had a chance to visit with Floyd. John McLaren is here, former Mariner coach who worked alongside uh, Lou Pinella. Keith Comstock, Ed Vandenberg, who in 1982 appeared in 82 games that season. Renee Latchman put him in there for 82 games. Alvin Davis is down there along with Dan Wilson. Gary Wheelock, who was there in 1977 with the original ball club. Billy Swift. Billy Swift looks like he can still pitch tonight. 
He's in great shape. He was the Mariners' first-round pick, seventh pick, second pick overall in 1984 off that great United States Olympic baseball team. A lot of the guys played in the big leagues. Bob Malacki is here, Edwin Nunez, Kenny Phelps, Bloss Minor, Brian Holman. We had a chance to catch up a little while ago. Great to see all those guys. A reunion of former Mariner players here at the ballpark tonight, and they are having a great time. We're talking about a lot of hugs down there. Phil Bradley is also here. And they're reliving some great moments. So uh, we'll hear from some of the guys maybe a little bit later on in the broadcast. Had a chance to visit with about five or six of the guys, including former Mariner general manager Woody Woodward is here as well. Uh, Lee Pelicutis, former traveling secretary, is down there. And current uh, members of the Mariner's front office, Kevin Mather and a few other guys. So, man, I was having a lot of fun. Uh, I I didn't want to come up. (laughs) (laughs) So this is is a new thing uh, that they're doing. Yeah, it's brand new. This, is, uh, it's, this seems like uh, it's a, a very good idea for every spring training, it sounds like. No, it's, it's a fantastic idea because you get these guys together and you, and you talk to them and the fans get to hear from them. And it's great for the fans because now they have a chance to really hear from the guys who made the history of this franchise. Floyd Bannister in the early days of the franchise uh, came up, I think Floyd was here in 1978, the second year or third year of the franchise. It was an all-star in 1979. Then he went on to the Chicago White Sox, and he helped clinch the uh, American League West for the White Sox against the Mariners. I'll never forget this ball game on a rainy night midway in September. Floyd Bannister uh, uh, pitched the day before. Lamar Hoyt that night, they clinched. Julio Cruz scored the winning run on a sacrifice fly by Harold Baines. But uh, there's a lot of wonderful things going on right now down at the Colonnade that that brave room down the left field line with the Mariners alumni here, a reunion, and uh, it's great to visit with these guys and just see them. We'll have some of those guys live in the booth over the course yeah. of the game, and we'll also, you did a, a great series of interviews. We'll hear from those those guys. I'm sure some of those recorded tonight and some of those uh, in games to come. So good stuff. I'm glad you're able to do that. Oh, Sorry you have time. to be here. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad I'm glad I'm here. Brian Holman's going to talk about his near-perfect game, one out away from a perfect game in 1990. Kenny Phelps is here who hit the home run, the pinch hit home run for the Oakland A's to spoil it. Well, our thanks to all who made this one possible. The Cactus League Report, Daniel Vogelback, Phil Boringer, Kyle Seeger, Mel Stottlemyre Jr. Pre-game show starts right now. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 